Hello, this is Christopher from Defeat Modernism. In honor of the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi, I wanted to put together this video to show the stark contrast between the so-called spirit of Assisi, what I term as the demonic spirit of Assisi, versus St. Francis of Assisi. And we were going to look at the false ecumenism that has come from the Second Vatican Council and the Novus Ordo cult of man versus the true teachings of St. Francis and of the Catholic Church. Uh, what you did see in, in that opening of the video, uh, you'll see a lot more of that. That happened to take place in the Cathedral of St. Christopher in Australia. And those are aboriginals doing a magic ritual of purification in a Catholic church with Catholic clergy there present. So uh, the video I'm going to show is going to have even more details than the one I showed in the video, John Paul the Great Apostate. Uh, some of it is very disturbing, so I do caution uh, those of you who are sensitive to um, violence because there will be some, some sections of uh, Catholics um, getting martyred, getting beaten on, on, on video, uh, so, and, uh, as well as other pagan rituals that are kind of disturbing. But it's important to see that because with John Paul II and Benedict XVI and Francis and all the Vatican II quote-unquote popes um, have promoted is that these false satanic religions are a same way of salvation as the Catholic, as the one true Catholic faith, which for any of you who have the true faith know that's a complete lie and is evil. What I'm going to do in the first part here is I'm going to read an article from the Catholic Family News that was written by the late John Venari on the spirit of Assisi versus St. Francis of Assisi. It's going to give a good foundation to the rest of the video. Uh, in the second part, I'm going to play a short clip that will have some of the video from the 2011 Assisi event that Benedict XVI put on. And while that clip is playing, there will be an interview of an eyewitness of the event who will be the late Mr. John Venari about what he saw. So I think it's very important for people to realize that this, the Pachimama and all the pagan worship that Francis is promoting is nothing new as far as the, the Vatican II quote-unquote popes are doing. Uh, it started it started mainly with John Paul II and then Benedict XVI continued this. So they've all done the same things. They've they've Benedict XVI has gone into mosques and prayed to Allah. So has Francis. Uh, he's gone into the Jewish synagogues. And you know, Jewish synagogues with the Talmudic Jews believe that Christ is burning in excrement in hell along with the prophets. That's part of their teaching. And the Muslims believe that the Holy Trinity is an excremental idea. That's part of the, the diabolical Quran that John Paul II kissed. So these are things you need to, to be aware of and know because this is what they believe and what they teach. This is not Catholic. It is anti-Catholic. It is an anti-Christ. So now let me start with the article by written by Mr. John Venary in 2002 on the spirit of Assisi versus St. Francis of Assisi.
it's becoming increasingly obvious that within the church since the council, we are now in the age of slogans, empty, meaningless slogans, that really do not have much substance and that do not convey the true picture of what is actually being promoted. We are all familiar with the slogans, the promise of a quote-unquote new springtime, a civilization of love, a new Pentecost, and now a novel orientation named the Spirit of Assisi. In a recent lecture called The New Pentecost versus the True Pentecost, I explained that the only way we could call anything a new Pentecost is to test first how it compares with the true Pentecost as recorded in the Acts of the Apostles. There I described how, point by point, the so-called New Pentecost fails to measure up to the first Pentecost, especially regarding the conversion of the Jews. Often, the so-called quote-unquote New Pentecost is the direct opposite of what we see in the true Pentecost. Likewise, with the quote-unquote spirit of Assisi, a previously unheard of term that recently came into vogue in Catholic circles. The term automatically invokes the idea that there is a connection with St. Francis of Assisi. So what does the spirit of Assisi have to do with St. Francis of Assisi? Nothing. In fact, they are contradictory spirits. Within a Catholic context, it is not possible to have a spirit of Assisi that is divorced from St. Francis of Assisi. Yet this is exactly what the panreligious spirit of Assisi is. It is something that St. Francis of Assisi would have regarded with absolute horror. The spirit of Assisi spearheaded in 1986 compromises Catholics, Protestants, Orthodox, Jews, Muslims, animists, Hindus, Zoroastrians, witch doctors, and various other gathering at the same place, usually at a Catholic church, to pray for peace. The Catholic praying to the true God and members of false and heathen religions praying to their false gods. Could anything be more contrary to the spirit of St. Francis of Assisi to place the one true religion of Jesus Christ on the same level with false creeds? Regarding non-Christian religions, sacred scripture teaches that all the gods of the nations are devils. Regarding heretical religions, St. Paul tells us that false creeds are the, quote, doctrine of devils. Thus, sacred scripture and sacred tradition always forbade Catholics to engage in religious camaraderie with false religions. St. Francis, Knight of the Church Militant St. Francis of Assisi was firmly committed to the truth that outside the Catholic Church there is no salvation. He was not an apostle of Gaudium et Spes dialogue. He was an apostle of Christ who preached the gospel. Number one, for the salvation of those souls who were already Catholic but had fallen away from the gospel ideal. And number two, for the salvation of infidels and non-believers whom he knew would be lost if they did not embrace Christ and his one true Catholic church. His biographer, Father Cuthbert, wrote in 1916 that St. Francis was, quote, apt to be impatient with meddlers and heretics to the end, end quote. In fact, St. Francis spoke harsh words about those who do not accept Catholic truth. He did not speak in vague terms about the seeds of truth found in all religions. 
nor did he announce his famous trip to preach to the Muslims as, quote, an invitation to dialogue between the great monotheistic religions in the service of the human family, end quote. No, he preached the need for conversion of the non-Catholics to the one true Church of Christ for salvation. In one of his oldest admonitions to the brothers of his order, St. Francis said the following regarding those who do not accept Catholic truth. Quote, All who have seen Jesus in the flesh, but have not seen him after the Spirit and in his divinity, and have not believed that he was really the Son of God, are doomed. Also those are doomed who see the sacrament of the body of Christ, which is consecrated with the words of the Lord on the altar, and by the hand of the priest in the form of bread and wine, but do not see in it the Spirit and divinity, and have not believed that it really is our Lord Jesus Christ's most holy body and blood. End quote. Thus, those who try to portray St. Francis of Assisi as an apostle of Vatican II's new brand of dialogue and ecumenism are simply not telling the truth, especially since today's ecumenism, of which the quote-unquote spirit of Assisi is the most radical element, does not seek the conversion of non-Catholics to the one true religion, but only seeks to work together with all religions in a quote reconciled diversity for the quote betterment of the human family. There is no sharper contrast to this new effeminate ecumenism that St. Francis's encounter with the Sultan and his friar's missionary zeal among the Muslims. St. Francis vs. Islam Around 1219, after a general chapter of the order, St. Francis decided to undertake a mission to the Mohammedans in Egypt, where also there was a crusade being fought. During this time, Francis stayed with the Christian army, and then crossed over to the Muslim lines. Once outside the Christian lines, he was seized by Muslim soldiers. Francis told the soldiers that he wanted to preach Christ to the Sultan, who allowed him into the camp. When brought to the Sultan, Francis said, quote, I am sent by the Most High God to show you and your people the way of salvation by announcing to you the truths of the gospel. End quote. And when St. Francis preached, the Sultan felt himself very much drawn to Francis and to the power of his words. So much so that he invited Francis to stay with him. Willingly, Francis replied, If you and your people will be converted to Christ. Francis then proposed his famous challenge. He said, quote, If you yet waver between Christ and Muhammad, order a fire kindled, and I will go into it with your priests, that you may see which is the true faith. End quote. The Sultan was not willing to permit this trial by fire, so Francis requested permission to leave, and the Sultan gave orders that Francis be conducted back to his camp with courtesy. While this was going on in Egypt, there were five firebrand Franciscan friars kicking up so much dust in Muslim Morocco that all five of them would be put to death. Their names were brothers Bernardo, Ortho, Pietro, Accurso, and Aduto. First they went to Spain, to Muslim Seville, and because they tried to preach the gospel there, they were scourged, imprisoned, and expelled from that kingdom. Then they went over to Muslim Morocco in an attempt to convert the infidels. When they arrived, 
these friars did more than just preach in the streets. They marched right into a mosque and denounced Muhammad from inside the mosque. The friars were seized, imprisoned, and scourged, but that did not temper their zeal. While in prison, they tried repeatedly to convert the jailers. The rulers of Morocco were trying to find a diplomatic way out of this, so they arranged that these imperious friars be sent out of the country. And how did the five Franciscans respond? Father Cuthbert relates, quote, But the five friars knew nothing of diplomacy and had not tempered to live and let live. Muhammad was, in their eyes, the enemy of Christ, and the souls of this people were rightful spoils for their divine Redeemer. To go back upon their mission would be a traitorous backsliding from their fealty to their Savior. At the first opportunity, these wiry Franciscans gave their jail keepers the slip. Immediately, they returned to the city, and there they were again, in front of the mosque, appealing to the infidels to renounce Muhammad and accept Christ. They were seized, cast into jail, and tortured. While they were on the rack, the jailers promised the friars that their lives would be spared, and they would be given gifts if they would deny Christ and accept Muhammad. The friars responded by uttering the praises of our Lord and urged the torturers to renounce Muhammad and accept Jesus Christ. The Muhammadans answered by beheading each friar and casting their bodies outside the walls to be the food of dogs. A Portuguese dignitary arranged a stealth operation to have their bodies rescued. They were taken to Portugal, and with great reverence, they were laid in the church of the canons regular in Cambria. Among all the people who flocked to pray to and honor the martyred Franciscans, there was a young Austinian canon who was enraptured by the zeal and love of Christ that burned in these friars. He sought out the local Franciscans and begged to be admitted to the order. That young Austinian who became Franciscan is known to us as St. Anthony of Padua, the miracle worker, whom Catholics honor with the title, the Hammer of Heretics. And as for St. Francis, what did he think of these five friars who marched into a mosque and denounced Muhammad from within the Muslims' own holy place? who urged Muslims for their own salvation not to follow the false prophet Muhammad? Did St. Francis organize on the following March 12th a grand apology for the insensitivity of his friars for not understanding that, quote, Muslims together with us worship the same God? No. Francis cried out in a transport of gratitude to heaven, quote, Now I can truly say I have five brothers. This is the true spirit of Assisi. Amen. That is it. That is the Catholic faith. That is why we love the Catholic Church and the Catholic faith. For, because of saints like those Franciscan friars that were beheaded for the love of Christ. They didn't go into the mosque to dialogue, to pray with the Muslims to the demon Allah. They went in there to preach Christ crucified to save souls. That is called true love of neighbor. What is not love of neighbor is telling your neighbor that they believe in the same God as you when they do not. And as it says there on the screen, Muslims together with us worship the same God. That is from the Vatican II documents. John Paul II repeated that same statement in front of 
tens of thousands of Muslims in a stadium, which is horrifying, which is a lie, which is evil to do. This is why we must pray the rosary every day to make reparation for these horrible sins against the first commandment. God is so angered about Catholics worshiping false gods, believing that false gods are a way to salvation by taking part in diabolic rites of the new mass and of the new sacraments that are contrary to the teachings of the Council of Trent, to the teachings of Pope St. Pius V and Quo Primum, to the entire 2,000-year tradition of the Church. God is not a God of dialogue. God is a king and ruler who commands. And St. Anthony, as it says there on the screen, his title was the Hammer of Heretics. It wasn't the Prince of Dialogue. So we need to get our heads on straight that God wants to be adored and worshipped as the only God. And in the way in which he commanded, through the Holy Ghost, through tradition, through the dogmatic councils, not through changed rites that were already condemned by the Council of Trent. So now let's go to the video in which you're going to see Benedict XVI doing that which is contrary to the Catholic teaching, contrary to St. Francis of Assisi, and to all the martyrs who died for the true faith. He is going to show that he is an enemy of Christ, an enemy of the church. I, I, I went to Assisi in 2011. Um, it, it was horrifying. There's no other word for it. It was horrifying. Uh, the Pope of the Catholic Church putting on the same level what are effectively counterfeit religions. Now, and maybe he feels he has to do it because of uh, Pope John Paul II. I don't know, but when these acts are done, uh, most of us don't do things publicly that we don't privately believe. So it puts, I think, a lot of Catholics in a dilemma as far as where is Pope Benedict coming from. Mm -hmm. So what specifically yeah. did you see, John, in, um, in Assisi that was horrifying? Because I, I know there was a big turmoil last year, and I remember you posting pictures on Facebook. Well, what we had is um, you had... Um, the, the Church of the, the Holy Angels, which is really the, the most sacred spot for the Franciscans, and it's the fourth uh, most venerated shrine in the world. And what you had is, um, inside the sanctuary, inside the church, you had the various religions, uh, such as uh, the, the Archbishop, so-called, of, of Canterbury, and various Orthodox uh, prelates. There we had basically um, some sort of uh, animist in uh, from 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 Africa, uh, invoking false gods inside the cathedral, we had the Hindu say to the congregation, "I worship the God that is in you." Um, you know, and the the uh, those points were already printed in the brochure that I had, the little booklet that I had, and the people in Assisi. Um, when I talked to them, I didn't. I didn't confront them. I just. I was. They're very, very. You know. You've been to Italy. They're very sweet people. Mm -hmm. um, they think this is wonderful. 
They think it's beautiful that all the religions are coming together. Um, you know, that's a very humanistic approach to the faith, and it's not a Catholic one. And so to see the people uh, taught this new brand of Catholicism was to me just as horrifying as seeing the Hindu and the animists mention their false gods inside the cathedral. Mm -hmm. and if I may add, not to continue this Assisi conversation too long, but even prior to the meeting, the Holy Father announced in the first general audience of 2011 his intention to go to Assisi and to convene this third gathering at, at that place. And he said that the aim of the event was to invite peoples of many different faiths, the ones that John just named, to gather with him, quote, to solemnly renew the commitment of believers of every religion to live their own religious faith as a service to the cause of peace. Now, this is an indication of a couple things to me. One is how much we have to pray for our Holy Father. He's surrounded by enemies. He's pulled in all sorts of different directions, and he needs our prayers for strength. But it's an indication of how far we have fallen. And over the last two millennia, say for maybe the last four decades or so, it would have been absolutely unthinkable for our Roman pontiffs to suggest that non-Catholics do well to persist in their false religion for any reason, much less with the implication that doing so could possibly render a service to the cause of peace. And as John said, it's, just, it's simply not a Catholic thought. Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. John Paul II embracing the Dalai Lama. On the 3rd of May 1984, John Paul II said, your ancestors embraced such overwhelming spiritual worlds as Confucianism and Buddhism. They enhanced them, lived them, and even transmitted them to others. God's word says, Pagans worship demons and not God. By his gesture of friendship with the Dalai Lama, the Pope set a bad example not only to hierarchs, but also to politicians of the so-called Christian nations. As a result, nowadays the Dalai Lama enjoys the greatest popularity throughout the world, which, however, causes grave harm to Christianity. The Dalai Lama considers himself an incarnation of a deity, demon. We ask what harmony of spiritual worlds there is between Christ and Belial. The Dalai Lama propagates the spirit of New Age, false unity of all religions. If any Christian apologist will now defend the true faith, he will be punished by the hierarchy for going against the line of John Paul II. On the 6th of May 1984, the Pope said, May I address a particular greeting to the members of the Buddhist tradition as they prepare to celebrate the festivity of the coming of the Lord Buddha? May your rejoicing be complete and your joy fulfilled.
the way of Buddha is idolatry and the Pope supports it. This is a crime. John Paul II in the Buddhist Temple John Paul II entered the Buddhist temple and bowed to the Buddhist leader. What was the sense of the Pope's visit to a place where one consciously worships demons? The Council of Elvira in 305 decreed that those who shall enter the pagan temples and worship idols shall not be admitted to communion even at death. The Pope betrayed Christ and the Gospel. On the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, the Pope received on his forehead a sign of apostasy, the mark of the Hindu god Shiva, from a pagan priestess, sacral prostitute. This is public apostasy and offense given to all Christians. The soul of a Christian is a temple of the living God. Through pagan rituals, however, it becomes a dwelling place of demons and their property. Through this public gesture, John Paul II fell away from the true faith, denied the whole scripture and the whole church tradition, and opened the door for demons to enter the church. He discredited all mission and missionaries, as well as the essence of the whole Christianity. He thus let himself be dedicated to Satan. Having committed this act as head of the Catholic Church, he allowed demons to hold sway over the whole Catholic Church. It is a flagrant crime. And now he is to be beatified and canonized for this. A priestess of God Shiva, temple prostitute, places a magic wreath round the Pope's neck. By this gesture, the Pope voluntarily subjects himself to the rule of demons. This is no indifferent thing, for one opens up to demons through a ritual. The Pope wearing a magic wreath, surrounded by pagan priestesses, serves idols. He caused offense to all Christians. In 1986, in India, John Paul II venerated Gandhi. In March of 1986, John Paul II went to New Delhi, the place where the Hindu Mahatma Gandhi was incinerated. John Paul II said, Today, as a pilgrim of peace, I have come here to pay homage to Mahatma Gandhi hero of humanity. Mahatma Gandhi teaches that it is possible to establish a new world order. May Mahatma Gandhi live forever. Quoted in Abba Daniel LaRue, Peter Lavisdumi, page 147. Gandhi is no hero of humanity. However, as for the new world order, he is the father of new age.
John Paul II visits the place of his incineration. As a token of reverence he takes off his shoes, throws flowers on his monument, pays homage to this anti-prophet and representatives of New Age and learns from him. He does manifest clearly that his attitude is an attitude of betrayal and apostasy from the Gospel. If Gandhi lives forever, in conformity with his obstinate rejection of the Gospel, it certainly is not in heaven. In fact, the Pope preaches that there is no salvation in Christ, as he says that he has found answers to the essential question in the works of the Hindu Mahatma Gandhi. I studied the works and efforts of Mahatma Gandhi and I found answers for me, answers for Christians everywhere, fundamental answers. India has so much contributed to the world's understanding of man and the truth of his existence. So much for the Pope. A Christian finds the life's answers in the Holy Scripture and in the lives of saints. If John Paul II found the life's answers not in the scripture and tradition, but in the works of the idolater Gandhi, it testifies to his inward apostasy. No saint or true Christian has ever found or will ever find true answers concerning salvation and meaning of life either in Gandhi or in the pagan system of Hindu India. These answers can be found in the Saviour Jesus Christ alone. An address by John Paul II, India, 1986. God is present in the very heart of human cultures because He is present in man. The Pope's words are relativist. Behind pagan culture is the spirit of lie and death and behind the Christian tradition is the spirit of truth and life. Therefore, the Pope's statements are confusing or downright heretical. In November 2003, Hindus burned the Bibles and icons of the Lord Jesus Christ in front of the government premises. In 1999, Hindus burned to death Graham Steinus, a missionary and two Christians in India. In May 2004, the pastor Isaac Rayu was murdered in India. Hindus cut his body into pieces and put them into a sack. Another pastor, Yesudas, was murdered with 32 blows from an axe. On the 17th of April 2010, a group of 15 to 30 Hindus made a raid on a prayer meeting of about 400 Christians. They attacked the Christians with sticks and iron rods. They caused the death of a 25-year-old Christian. Other three Christians suffered severe injuries. In 2008, in only one of the districts of the Indian state of Orissa, Hindus killed more than 100 people including six pastors and one Roman Catholic priest, raised 315 villages, 
burned down 4,640 Christian houses and 300 churches. 54,000 Christians were left homeless. The relation to paganism. <laughs> Until the mid of the 20th century, the Roman Catholic Church took part in no dialogues with pagan religions. Why? Because she was well aware that behind pagan religions personal demonic power is present in a hidden way, as the Holy Scripture speaks about it in many places. A historical milestone was the Declaration Nostra Aetate of the Second Vatican Council issued in 1965. Through this declaration a new policy in relation to other religions was adopted. John Paul II invited pagans and participated in their so-called prayers in which they invoke demons. At the instigation of John Paul II on the 27th of October 1986, the first meeting of different religions took place in Assisi, Italy, a so-called World Day of Prayer for Peace. It was attended by 150 representatives of 12 religions, including Buddhists, Muslims, Native Americans, African Aborigines, Zoroastrians, Sikhs, Hindus, Shintoists. The Pope opened the meeting with an address in which he put the Christian prayer to the one true God on an equal footing with the so-called prayer of all pagan religions. He said, Peace is the fruit of prayer, in which all religions express their relationship to one supreme power. The Pope's statement is an overt lie. Peace is the fruit of conversion and repentance, which means turning away from idolatry, unbelief and sin. There is a true and a false prayer, True prayer turns to the one sovereign God and false prayer turns to demons. Pagans do not pray to God but to demons. By his word and gesture, John Paul II committed a heresy and apostasy, caused offense and opened the way of apostasy for the whole Catholic Church. He does deny the Church's magisterium. Then the Pope put the Christian churches at the disposal of representatives of pagan religions for performing their rituals and so-called prayers for peace. Buddhists prayed in the Church of St. Peter in Assisi. They placed the statue of Buddha on the tabernacle. Hindus gathered in the church of Santa Maria Maggiore in Assisi. Muslims gathered in the monastery of Saint Anthony. American Indians 
prayed in the church of St. Gregory, preparing their pipes of peace on the altar. Shintoists were in the Benedictine monastery. It was truly severe apostasy. The Christian faith was put on an equal footing with all pagan religions. The statue of Buddha enthroned on the tabernacle at Assisi. The Dalai Lama, Buddha and a demonic ritual is an abomination of desecration in the holy place. Yet this was desecration not only of a temple but of the whole Catholic Church. Pope Honorius was posthumously excommunicated for being passively silent on heresies. Pope John Paul II is to be beatified and canonized for actively introducing a whole heretical stream and spirit of apostasy into the Catholic Church. Both the Orthodox and Protestants ask, is the Catholic Church the Church of Christ? Has she not become a harlot of Antichrist? To crown it all, at the end they all prayed together, as they said, to one Father. The Dalai Lama repeats a mantra, a so-called prayer for peace in Assisi. Pagans pray to demons. To receive a blessing from the Dalai Lama or a shaman means to open up to a curse and demonic bondage. The question is whether the Pope's disease in the last seven years of his life was not a visible sign of a curse coming from God and the fruit of this blessing. According to God's law, as stated in the books of Kings, John Paul II thus brought down a curse not only on himself, but also on the whole church. The result of such a curse is spiritual blindness and loss of the true faith. The Pope finished with the prayer, Our Father. заключил это моление к якобы общему отцу чтением «Отче наш». In this way, the Pope emphasized his leading role in the worldwide syncretistic New Age movement. John Paul II became the instigator and leader of the Babylon in Assisi. St. Thomas Aquinas writes, All ceremonies are professions of faith. Man can make profession of his inward faith by deeds as well as by words. And in either profession, if he makes a false declaration, he sins mortally. 
John Paul II committed not only mortal sin, but multiple public apostasy. Gatsain in Assisi On the 26th of September 1997, during the earthquake, the ceiling of the church over the main altar broke and completely demolished the altar. The disaster claimed the lives of two Franciscan friars and two laymen. Regrettably, the apostatical hierarchy as well as religious closed their eyes and ears so that they could continue the way of apostasy which Pope John Paul II had opened in the church. The Fruit of Assisi After 1986, the Vatican continued its propagation of so-called ecumenical cooperation between the religions. Every year the Vatican organizes similar interreligious meetings in different cities of Europe. In 1987, sponsored a pagan prayer meeting at Kyoto. 1987 and 1988, Rome. 1989, Warsaw. 1990, Bari. 1991, Malta. 1992, Brussels. 1993, Milano. The meeting was moderated by Michael Gorbachev. 300 representatives of 42 religions of the world crowned their meeting with a procession to the Milanese Cathedral. Thousands of people expressed their enthusiasm. Chicago 1993, Parliament of World's Religions. In the span of nine days in Palmer House Hilton in Chicago, a meeting of 6,000 representatives of 250 religions took place. The Vatican took official part in it, represented by the Secretary of the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue, as well as by the Archbishop of Chicago, Joseph Bernardin. The meeting was attended by Universalists, Buddhists, Sikhs, Muslims, Jews, Baha'ists, Zoroastrians, Hindus, Lamaists, Pagans, a priestess of Isis, the sect of Guru Brahma Kumaris, Petovatomis. Native Americans performed a pagan ritual and invoked demons. More than 30,000 people gathered in a large park to listen to the words of the Dalai Lama, who is considered a reincarnated god. How could Christians participate in the Chicago Babylon? The Vatican bears extremely great responsibility for the apostasy in Chicago. It cooperated in it, supported it financially, and took official part in it. How deep will the Vatican fall?
Assisi 1994. Eighth interreligious meeting meant again worldwide apostasy from the Christian faith. How is it possible to put the holy Christian faith on an equal footing with heresies and pagan religions of the world? Catholic Cardinal Cassidy read out a welcoming address by John Paul II. Cooperation of all religions is developing more and more deeply. The Cardinal emphasized the most essential uniting element for all religions. The spirit of Assisi. Canberra, Australia, 1994. Performance of a magic ritual, so-called purification of the altar, in a dancing manner to the accompaniment of wild shrieks. In the Catholic Cathedral Church of St. Christopher, a strange worship took place. It was commenced by native Australians, Aborigines, who performed a ritual of so-called purification of the altar. Are such abominations permitted in a Christian church? The Aborigines brought a purifying fire in front of the altar and thus desecrated both the altar and the church. Representatives of 13 denominations were to pass through the purifying fume by which act they were welcomed by native Australians. Unfortunately, the abominations taking place around the altar continued. A many-colored silk covering cloth made by women of different denominations symbolizes a spirit which covers all participants. The second meeting in Assisi with John Paul II. On 24th January 2002, John Paul II held another pagan prayer meeting in the town of Assisi. During this Assisi prayer meeting, the representative of every false religion was allowed to come to the pulpit and give a sermon. John Paul II had it arranged in advance that each false religion was given a separate room in which to worship the devil. All of the crucifixes were removed and the crucifixes which could not be removed were covered. Pagan Purification Ritual Mass in Mexico City in 2002 incorporated the customs of the demonic Aztec culture. Indians dance before the altar, 
some left their midriffs exposed. As they performed, the snake-like hiss of rattles and the beating of tum-tums could be heard. John Paul II himself was actually the recipient of a pagan purification ritual. During the Mass, John Paul II beatified Juan Batista and Jacinto de los Angeles, who shed their blood for the defense of the Catholic faith. The Indians offered Juan Batista and Jacinto de los Angeles their freedom if they would ascend to the Indian idolatry. They refused and were killed after undergoing cruel tortures. Their hearts were taken from their chests and given to dogs. It is astonishing that during the ceremony of their beatification, John Paul II allowed idolatrous rituals similar to those for the rejection of which the martyrs were killed. John Paul II, African Tribal Chief Owing to his gestures and statements, the apostatical activity of John Paul II brought a new thinking in the Church, a heresy saying that Christianity and paganism are equal ways to salvation and that there is no need for mission. The thinking forms part of the contemporary priestly and religious formation. It is heretical and apostatical thinking. John Paul II prayed with African animists, witch doctors, and paid homage to their sacred snakes. If we should follow the Pope, we shall end up in hell along with the witch doctors. Those who practice witchcraft and idol worshippers, their doom is in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. John Paul II met with the voodoo high priest, who was accompanied by other voodoo witch doctors. The animist religion to which they belong worships the souls of ancestors, the forces of nature, and also the devil. In Cotonou, on the 4th of February 1993, chanting girls treated John Paul II to a trance-inducing voodoo dance. In the Moroccan city of Casablanca, the Pope spoke before thousands of young Muslims about the opening of a dialogue with Islam, assuring them that we have one and the same God. 
However, the church tradition clearly testifies that we do not have the same God as Muslims. Their Allah and our Lord are not one. John Paul II kissed the Quran. The Quran is the Muslim's holy book, which blasphemes the most holy trinity and denies the divinity of Jesus Christ. Chaldean Catholic Patriarch Raphael I recounts the event in an interview as follows. On the 14th of May 1999, I was received by the Pope. At the end of the audience, the Pope bowed to the Muslim holy book, the Quran, presented to him by the delegation and kissed it as a sign of respect. The photo of the gesture has been shown repeatedly on Iraqi television as an evidence that the Pope has great respect for Islam. John Paul II visited the Great Mosque of Damascus. While in the mosque, John Paul II took of his shoes out of reverence. During the general audience on the 5th of May 1999, he said, Today I would like to repeat what I said to young Muslims some years ago in Casablanca. We believe in the same God. However, God's word says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. It is a blindfolded lie which contradicts gospel and the whole tradition of the Church to state that Muslims and Christians have the same God. The Pope thus proved that he did not have the Catholic faith. Summa Theologica reads, If anyone were to worship at the tomb of Muhammad, he would be deemed an apostate. To show reverence for the Quran means the same. The fruit of this reverence. Hundreds if not thousands of people were murdered during the Muslim attack on Christians in three agricultural settlements in Nigeria, which began at 3 o'clock in the night on the 8th of March 2010. The Muslims were shouting in a rage, Allahu Akbar, and killing defenseless Christians with knives and machete. Archbishop Ben Kweshi says, I could see machete wounds in the necks of children. Kids from age zero to teenagers, all butchered from the back, macheted in their necks, their heads, deep cuts in the mouths of babies. I could not stand it. Another fruit of this reverence is Islamization of Europe. Nowadays there are more than 50 million Muslims in Europe. The Pope let all crucifixes be removed in Assisi and today the Muslims demand the removal of all crucifixes in hospitals and in public areas throughout Italy. When will they start actions similar to that in Nigeria? John Paul II received the B'nai B'rith of Freemasonic Lodge of New York. 
Soon afterwards, this pope removed from the code of canon law the penalty of Palata Sententia excommunication for membership of the Catholics in Masonic associations. The essence of Freemasonry is the revolt against the Triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and dedication and service to Satan. The Pope thus gave Freemasons permission to hold the highest posts within the Catholic Church with impunity. In December of 1996, the Grand Orient Lodge offered John Paul II its greatest honor, the Order of Galilee, as an expression of thanks for the efforts that he made in support of Freemasonic ideals. Two Masons in aprons and a prelate. By receiving Freemasons into the Church, granting them an audience and accepting their awards, John Paul II publicly renounced Christ. His gesture set an example to other Church hierarchs, who now deepen this fraternity and strengthen the unity. The fruit is the catastrophic current state of the Church. Monsignor Ivan Diaz, Archbishop of Mumbai, lighting the lamp in front of the god Ganesha. That was also why he initiated publication of the so-called Hindu Bible, which is an interpretation of the Holy Scripture in the spirit of Hinduism, wherefore he was promoted to the rank of Cardinal. Archbishop Zolich said, Er ist nicht deswegen für die Sünde der Menschen gestorben. Er hat sich mit uns Menschen, mit unserem Leid, mit unserem Tod bis zum Letzten solidarisiert. This is Heresy's Maxima. The Papal Nuncio to the United States attended a ceremony during which he gave awards to those who built bridges between religions in order to establish the union of all religions. On the occasion, the Papal Nuncio lit a candle in a devotional lamp to Hindu deities. The majority of the Catholics, and especially the hierarchy, cannot discern the worship of the true Triune God from the worship of demons. They are no longer able to perceive the difference between the faith in Christ and idolatry. Unfortunately, in this state they cannot be saved. The present cardinals and most of the bishops are unable to confess the faith and renounce heresies. Such is the reality. In consequence of this apostasy of theirs, which is a result of the loss of faith, on the 24th of May 2010, they excommunicated themselves from the Church. Now they occupy the Church offices unlawfully. Buddhist medium Tupten Godup in the Abbey of Gethsemane. The spiritual counselor of the Dalai Lama was seated on the abbot's chair, the place for the representative of Christ in that community. What kind of spirit rules in such spiritual retreat? 
It is the spirit of apostasy, the spirit of Antichrist. Trappist priest Kevin Hunt is installed by his master, Jesuit Robert Kennedy, dressed in Japanese kimono, as the first American Trappist instructor of Zen. This also is the fruit of Assisi. A Polish priest teaches yoga in New York City. Sessions take place at St. Paul the Apostle Parish in Midtown Manhattan. This also is the spirit of Assisi. Retreat of Catholic nuns in Buddhist temple. At a poor Claire's convent in Paris, the nuns take part in a prayer service that mixes Zen practices and Catholic prayer. This pernicious syncretism is the fruit of the spirit of Assisi. The priest offers the Mass to the establisher of the eternal Dharma for peace and the restoration of the cosmic order. The music is a mixture of songs from a Hindu Bhagavad Gita source, Vedic Upanishad hymns and some of St. Ephraim's canticles. This also is the fruit of Assisi. The spirit of syncretism and apostasy, to which Pope John Paul II opened the door, bears its pernicious fruit. A lot of movements took this course, for example Marinol or Focolare, along with its founder Chiara Lubick, whom the Church will want to canonize soon. And why not? John Paul II caused far greater offense than her. Mother Teresa is praying to Mahatma Gandhi at his tomb in New Delhi. It is shameful that a Catholic saint, instead of venerating the tombs of missionaries martyrs in India, publicly venerates the father of New Age, a Hindu guru. Dominican nuns celebrate Halloween. Halloween, a feast of Satanists, has its origin in the far past, when Celtic sorcerers went from house to house and demanded sacrifices for their god, sometimes even a member of a family for ritual murder. Whichever house refused, they killed them all. Then they used human fat to make candles and put them inside hollowed beads. Today, the spiritual daughters of Saint Dominic venerate witch traditions. A religious sister dances rock and roll with a missionary priest. Jesuit priest Robert Fereke dances in front of the altar in a church of Boston.
a Hindu dance in a Catholic church. During an international mass in the underground basilica in Lourdes, Hindu women perform Tamil dances. Those dances are inspired by pagan myths and offered to honor false deities. The feminine priest from India performs a dance called Bharatanatyam, which he learned from Hindu gurus. The shrine in Fatima was desecrated in a similar way in 2005 when a Hindu demon called the goddess Kali was enthroned there. This all is the fruit of the spirit of Assisi. This all is the fruit of the spirit of Assisi. Catholic bishops in the Westmont with the rainbow colors. The rainbow colors are a well-known symbol of homosexuals and of the New Age movement. Holy Redeemer Parish marches in gay pride parade. The parish is in the Castra homosexual district of San Francisco. On the 25th of June 2006, after Sunday Mass, the local priest, Steve Merriweather, blesses homosexuals who are getting ready to go downtown. The priest blessed also the trolley car that took the parish delegation to the gay pride parade. The banner held by the homosexuals carried the slogan, Holy Redeemer Catholic Church. Even this loss of judiciousness and common sense is the fruit of the spirit of Assisi. 1985, Gay Pride Parade in New York City. Five Catholic priests take part in the demonstration in support of the gay rights. One declared to the press that they were homosexuals and represented a much higher number of priests who did not come. In 2009, the Pope apologizes for pedophilia of the priests in the United States and Australia. No bairro da Lapinha, a festa de ruas, mas dentro da igreja, cada missa é um show. As coloridas para homenagear as diferentes raças, lembrando os três reis magos. Tem 20 anos que eu tinha parado de dançar. Os doces. A desta sexta-feira começou com uma evolução que lembrava os rituais indígenas. Escara alguns passos. 
o sermão, o padre Pinto respondeu a uma carta de um grupo de fiéis que pedia o afastamento dele da igreja. This all is the fruit of a season. Fiery appearance in 2006. A fiery silhouette appeared in a photograph taken during a ceremony held in commemoration of the first anniversary of the death of John Paul II in Poland. Some regarded it as a sign of holiness, others as a sign that John Paul II is either in purgatorial or eternal fire. In no case can this apostate Pope be beatified. It would be a public denial of the ascents of both the gospel and the church.